0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and we're going to kind of keep a dynasty theme here going. Got my buddy Eddie Almiger here from Prospects Live.
2: Eddie, how you doing? Oh, man, James, it's been a while uh, since I've been on the RotoWire podcast, and it's—I feel like I'm still kind of shaking off that off-season rust. I know you know people like yourself like jump straight into like a thousand NFBC leagues. I'm like, I need to I need to decompress for a little bit, but I think this will make this podcast the start of my baseball off-season. I'm ready to talk a lot of topics. <laughs> well, your approach sounds healthier than mine,
1: uh, <laughs> but. Um, just can't, just can't stop it, man. It's, it's been, uh, I feel like there's already been sort of different phases of my off season <laughs> had the major redraft itch. And now I'm just really into dynasty stuff that, that Highlander draft we did on, yeah. or well, you, you were sort of participating in on mm-hmm. Saturday, uh, that, that really kind of got the juices going for dynasty for me. For sure. So, um, exciting time of year. We've had a, a ton of Uh, the big ticket free agents have already signed and and signed kind of in the past week or so. Uh, I wanted to talk briefly about the Trey Turner uh, signing with, with Philly and just sort of see if there's any kind of fallout here uh, before we get into some more sort of dynasty specific stuff. But uh, just what were your general takeaways from that move? Do you view it as a a neutral move or, or step up or step down?
2: It's uh, Neutral with a slight lean toward, slightly depressed value now. Um, I think when, I mean, the first thing people think of is like, what do the parks look like? I think Dodger Stadium and, and you know, and Citizens, Back, Citizens Bank is just, are kind of similar for the most part. I think Feliz plays a little bit better for home run, a little bit a little better for triples. So like, that's good for Trey Turner. It's kind of, you know, especially triples and uh, a little bit more juice from the right side. Um, but I think that it, the reason I think it's a slight step down is because of the lineup for the most part. Um, you can't replicate the Dodgers lineup. And especially with Bryce Harper missing about half the season next year, it sounds like, I'd expect maybe like 85, 90 runs instead of 100 and maybe like 75 to 80 RBI instead of like, you know, I think he got like 100 last year with the Dodgers. So um, we might have seen a career year for Trey Turner last year, mostly because of the lineup, thanks to the Dodgers, and because the Phillies won't be able to replicate that. Probably stepped step down. And it's interesting because right now he's, he is – just barely the number one overall nfc player in, in, in redraft league. So um, I wondered, you know, do, for you, do you think Julio Rodriguez may, or Acuna leap frogs him now as, as we move forward? Uh You know, the, the common name I've been seeing is, is Jose
1: Ramirez uh, because of the position eligibility. Everyone sort of has realized third base dries up so quickly that they like kind of getting that, that third base spot taken care of uh, if they have the number one pick, but um I think it's it's an interesting year for the number one overall pick because yeah. I, I definitely think you can go in three or four different directions. I think Acuna and J. rod both have have great cases. Out, outfield isn't super deep, so you know nothing wrong with filling your outfield spot there. Shortstop is probably the deepest though, and I think that's sort of led to sometimes people pass on Trey Turner, even though he is you know very very safe from a power speed standpoint and. I think your your point about the lineups is 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 pretty fair. I mean, this is about as good of a lineup as he could have gone to. I mean, the Bryce Harper absence obviously is is going to kind of dampen things in the first half. But uh, I think if you have Trey Turner in Dynasty, for instance, or you took Trey Turner in redraft, this is this is great because he probably wasn't going back to the Dodgers. You're right. I mean, you're not going to be able to replicate Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman at the top, but uh, it's a deep lineup in Philly. Uh, as you said i don't think people realize just how hitter friendly dodger stadium has been it um, is right but uh yeah i think kind of a neutral park shift for him
2: and uh and he was, I think he, was he was always going to go to a team that like, yeah. has a good lineup you know the, oh, the a's or the marlins aren't aren't vying right. for Trey turner you know <laughs> right right um is there any other
1: you know i think this definitely kind of if, if you were hoping that Gene Segura would go back to Philly, this kind of rules that out. Uh now, see. Now the A's and the
2: Marlins might go after Gene Segura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's kind of like a non I mean, like we're like a 10, yeah. 10 guy, which, you know, I was looking at his, at his, at his line and at his years. And man, I forgot a, a few years ago, he was a 20, 30 guy, Gene Segura. That's kind of crazy to think uh, he posted that line. Once now he's kind of like a, a shell of his old self. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, in, in our notes, like you mentioned, that uh, you know, with Bryce Harper gone, uh, there will be a little bit of shifting once he comes back, because you expect maybe like Schwarber and Trey Turner kind of are the one-two, or you know, in some capacity. Um, and I was wondering who might be like Hoskins, Ramudo, Castellanos, who kind of gets the boot once Harper goes down. And yeah, initially I thought Hoskins, James, but he hit second for pretty much most of last year in the Phillies, and, and it, they've shown with Schwarber kind of leading off that they value uh, someone being able to get, being able to get on base. So maybe like Real Mudo and, and Castellanos are the ones that drop down once Harper comes back. So with, with Castellanos probably leading the way. Yeah, I think once
1: – and it's it's tough to even look that far ahead, right? Because they, they might trade someone like Reese Hoskins. Uh, one of these six guys might be injured or one of these five guys might be injured when Harper comes back. But if you just assume that they keep everyone, everyone's healthy when Harper comes back. Castellanos is probably hitting sixth. And uh, I think the toughest call is is whether Hoskins or Real Muto is hitting fifth. Um, it might be Real Muto, but I, I don't think you're dinging
2: uh, yeah. Real Muto much. Yeah, especially sixth. the way he yeah. finished. The way he finished 2022 gives me hope there's more left in the tank. If he had kind of finished the way he started, I'm like, okay, this just might be the beginning of the end here for my guy. Yeah, uh, are you buying?
1: A, are you buying a bounce back on uh, Castellanos at all?
2: Uh, not, not really. I think he's one <laughs> of the guys that's kind of fading down. And and I I posted a poll a couple of days ago um, where it was like, who whom would you prefer to roster? You know, Chris Bryant or Castellanos? And it was literally kind of split right down the middle. Maybe like 51, 49 mm-hmm. Castellanos. And that was funny. That's kind of the same choice I was making about a year ago when we were doing our initial Highlander draft. Castellanos was one of those guys I was considering. Went with Bryant ultimately. It uh, seems like nothing has changed just for the worse for both of them.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, Cast- or Castellanos was probably a better bet for 550 plate appearances than Bryant, but um bryant has got some other edges there. But do you uh,
2: want Castellanos getting 550? Oh, <laughs> well, season,
1: yeah, he's got to be a compiler, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, know <laughs> you need him playing as much as possible. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts? I don't. I have no idea what your thoughts are on on this player, but uh, Bryson Stott. I've actually, I was sort of very low on him. I think relative to to most people when he was a prospect, like this time last year. Uh, but I think he's, and it's. It, I just didn't really see a ton of ceiling there, but uh, I kind of like him for redraft right now just because he is one of those guys that could get you double-digit homers double-digit steals qualifies at a couple spots uh decent lineup but now he's gonna be probably hitting eighth uh you would think or yeah, seventh or eighth something like that
2: i think i think in the redraft world he, he's going around the 14th round uh in FPC. so it's i was looking honestly his projections are not too dissimilar to December, so like gene segura so it's not as exciting as maybe we want it to be. And I wonder if maybe you you and I might have been in opposite directions here. Cause I may I was more excited for him as a prospect. Especially me, I I love prospects with, with good good OBPs and hasn't um, really come through yet. Um and now it's like okay like this might take a lot longer than I than I realized. Um it's not immediate success. Um at, at least not even like walking as much as I would have wanted him to um to kind of cling on to something. So like even in this range like you know, Conforto, Ashby, like Trevor Rogers. I prefer those guys in in, in sort of in the redraft context. In Dynasty, like, you just kind of sort of got to hang on a little bit, but uh, I will temper my expectations as to relatively where they were like a year ago. So I'm definitely a little lower on him than I was um, about a year ago. Yeah, I think um, one of the
1: nicest things about Stott for Dynasty is just that he – I think he's very sort of safely in an everyday role there. Mm-hmm. That that middle infield. I mean, that that's gonna be pretty good I mean, having Stott as your everyday second baseman, that's that's pretty good defensively and they obviously have a lot invested in him, um, uh, based on where they took him in the draft and stuff. So I think the, the everyday playing time there, the 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 park, um, solid points for Stott in, in Dynasty, but I think you're right on redrafted it is tough like i liked him a lot more in redraft when he like the very beginning of of redraft season when he was going a little bit later Mm -hmm. uh okay let's uh let's talk uh talk about the highlander draft from this saturday for anyone who's interested uh i did uh we did a live draft of that uh jesse roach did a lot of the the heavy lifting on that episode uh we had a bunch of managers from the highlander dynasty invitational hop on to discuss their pick that was a one round 20 pick uh redistribution draft for the highlander dynasty invitational which you and i are both in uh what were your kind of takeaways from that because i know you weren't able to participate live but uh you sent jesse some pretty detailed uh you know, I don't know if it's a cheat sheet even does it justice there. Uh, but what were your, what were your takeaways? Um, yeah, from,
2: uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 did you get a chance to see it? I mean, it, he could have. Sh- I know he he was hesitant to share my order on on air. I, he I, he could have done it without any problem. I told him you should have done it because uh, I think some of the fun of that was seeing how people are stacking up their like rankings evaluations because it really was kind of a free for all in terms of like man like h- how is this going to be valued? Um, uh, my top five were Andrés Jiménez, uh, Tyler now, Carlos Correa. Vinny P and Will Smith. Um, I was hoping uh, at least maybe one of those would, would squeak on by maybe Correa, maybe Will Smith He's the catcher, but um, ultimately I ended up with Chris Bryant, who was 10th on my initial list. I picked 11th. So, I mean, it's kind of oh, like, man, meh. you know, <laughs> you know it's, it, it is what it is. It's fine. It's fine with me. Right. Um, uh, I'm still kind of hoping a little bit for that bounce back from Chris Bryant, but I'm kind of being optimistic here. I obviously roster him. Um, I think uh, what I learned here from from our highline of draft, James, was like the the first twelve picks is kind of where you want to be to get something mm-hmm. of value, and then diving deeper, maybe the middle of those first twelve picks, so like picks five, six, seven, eight, that's where you kind of want to be because you can accurately, you, you can appropriately plan to take someone who falls, but if you if, if not, you usually have like your the, the guy you want at that point. Um, and I think there were only a couple surprises for me. Uh, one was Anthony Volpe being selected uh off of crosses list um right Alex Sanchez and I was like wow like you had glass now Andres Jimenez and Christian Javier to choose from and, like he goes Volpi and it makes sense like you know I looked at Alex Sanchez's team afterwards and he's definitely skewing very young I and mean, he traded for Ali de la Cruz and um he's obviously playing to to kind of have a young core but to me I mean you know I had Andres Jimenez ranked first that, that would have been my my choice right there um so Eric uh, got lucky. I, I guess he must have paid off Alex before the draft to to, to take that. Um, and <laughs> I, go, go ahead. Well, yeah, I actually I'd
1: I'd love to get Cross's take on that because uh, I I think it's and Alex I think uh, like I I just yesterday traded Alex Tristan Casas for Aaron Ashby essentially. Uh, so he he definitely has a you know get the young hitters plan that I think makes sense for his roster. But uh, he might have been one of the only people in the league that would have gone Volpe off of that roster. And, and props to Eric Cross for having a few kind of high demand uh, players there to choose from. But I actually, Glass now was actually my top guy available. And so you at the fact that you had, we each had our top guy available from Cross's roster Different guys and neither guy got taken. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and it's uh, Jimenez was my one, too, for, for the highlight of the draft. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, cross, also getting his team, like he's, he still needs a few more pieces. And, and thankfully, none of these, these guys were spared. Um, I think he kept, uh, Dansby Swanson, um, as his third guy. And I, I, I maybe would have gone Andres Jimenez, but I mean, that's just the beauty of it. Dif- different valuations for each person. Um, I think another, I think Tioscar Hernandez went a little higher than I anticipated. He was maybe more like in my 15 plus. Uh, mm-hmm. range of, of ranking but you know Michael Waterley acknowledged a little bit of homerism <laughs> for that pick so I get it uh, other than that there was nothing like that really uh, uh stood out or, or, or surprised me too much it was definitely a lot of fun um well I mean Drew Wheeler going to say Suzuki I would have told him like no one's gonna I mean no one would have picked Suzuki in my opinion but but I know Drew Wheeler has a lot of a lot of love to put it lightly for for mm-hmm. Seiya uh, um but uh yeah I think last five my last, like, five picks of the Highlander definitely gets a little dicey. I'm, I'm now seeing it. It's good to know that those picks maybe don't carry a lot of weight now because, um, I mean, Roddy Saleh, C.J. Abrams, Ryan Mountcastle, Drew Jones, like, nothing, nothing earth-shattering in my opinion there. So good lesson to take forward as we trade for these Highlander picks uh, moving forward. Um, definitely want to – I'm glad I hung on to mine. It, it, I was tempted to trade it a couple times throughout the season. I like Chris Bryant's, like, a thing I'm championing around, but um, I'm okay with it. By the way, I, I actually had before Chris Bryant, I had Framber and Altuve right above him. And those are the two guys that went right before me.
1: <laughs> okay, so I sniped you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and, well, you and Jesse. Yeah, Framber was sort of, that was sort of a worst case scenario for me. I I definitely had my sights set a little higher there, but uh, can't really complain too much there. I It's interesting to me that uh, Jimenez was your top player Uh I, The projection systems would agree with you. Uh, steamer says 19 homers, 17 steals, uh, 267 average. I think if he gives you that, he's, he's worth where he's going probably in, in drafts. And as a 24-year-old who's got that projection, uh, a clear everyday job, I think it makes sense to have him prioritize for, for dynasty. Uh, I think uh, Chris Vargas maybe mentioned during the the live draft that that Jimenez was someone that he mm-hmm. uh, would have wanted there. Um, what do you do? You see, you know, is twenty twenty two can twenty twenty two be Jimenez's you know almost career ish year, but him still be a good buy? Do
2: you see room for growth there still? Uh yes yeah, so, I mean, if it's cool we can jump into uh, that kind of that Wanda Franco poll that oh, I Oh yeah yeah let's do it.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Yeah, so uh, I posted a poll a few days ago, and this is just me curious because we're working on our dynasty list over at Prospects Live. Um, we're going to release a top 1,000 uh, sometime this month. And as part of it, to help kind of curate the list, we're each ranking our top 100 MOB only. And I realized I really like Andres Jimenez. To so the point where, like, in my first <laughs> edition, I had him above Wander. Um, and I, I dropped him a little bit. Figured out a bit too too much, Um, but uh, he's in he's inside my top thirty overall for like MLB only bats and or rather MLB players uh, so pitchers and bats and um, in the poll it was who would you rather own Um, Wander Franco or Andres Jimenez in an OBP dynasty and you know Wander Franco took about eighty percent of the votes uh, which is not surprising at all makes sense Uh and Jimenez is actually a little bit above Wander Franco like three or four spots in redraft in NFBC and Uh um, I think. For dynasty, uh, it makes sense. Like, if you've you've probably held on to Wander Franco at this point for three plus years, like you're not going to want to trade him after a lackluster season. But I don't know, man. I'm going to record and uh, going the record saying that like a year from now, that gap is not going to be like eighty to twenty. I think it might be like 60, 40 maybe closer than that. I'm just I'm just really bullish on Jimenez. I think there's a legitimate chance that like each of these next three years, twenty twenty is in the cards. Um, with the fallback of like a you know 17, 16 season, which certainly doesn't have the sexy you know sexy sounds of a 2020 season, but um, he had he had modest but noticeable gains in the power department. and I think what what I like about him man is, is it's not just one big thing that changed. It's like he lifted the ball a little bit more. he barreled it a little bit more, he chased a little less. he whiffed a little less. so like it's like a small combination of small things where he improved and it's all added up to a really nice season. And I think uh, one, he's a he's a good defender. So like his his glove will be in that lineup. And he, uh-huh. I think he had I think like fewer than 550 plate appearances last year. So um, if he gets like 620, 630, uh, he, just by by factor of volume, I, I think 2020 is in play, right? So um, that's kind of why I'm into it in OBP leagues. Um, I'm buying it like you know about 340 OBP roughly. In average leagues, I think he's also a boon, 270, 280. So uh, this is the guy I'm, I'm I'm chasing quietly but hard in in, in my dynasty leagues. I don't want to kind of show my hand like maybe I am right now to the world in this podcast, but uh, I I do like Andres Jimenez uh, a lot. Um, so that's why he was my number one guy in Highlander, and that's why I think the gap is not that big in 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 dynasty. You know, the age is there. I think the production is there. He's not going to leave that lineup because his glove is good. So mm-hmm. that's my pitch on Andres. Yeah, no, I I, I find a lot of that
1: compelling. Um, you know, Jimenez right now, I think it's 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 a it's a good time to buy if you are bullish. This is it's fine to you know you could call it buying high, mm-hmm. uh, but if you think like he's not getting valued by most people like a guy who you can sort of pencil in for around 2020 going forward i think there's still more risk kind of cooked into his his price tag i mean if 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 everyone in the redraft community thought he was going to go 2020 his adp would be around 50 right so there's there's definitely enough skeptics out there that uh he's not being fully priced to, to kind of the player you're describing so uh that all makes sense. I, I find Wander Franco just to be so fascinating, uh, because he has this—you know—he has the the pedigree and the name value to sort of, um, you know, maybe people that don't follow prospects as closely as I do or or you guys do at at prospects live. You know, it's it's sort of well. Vlad Guerrero was the number one prospect and the number one international signee. And, you know, you, you had guys like Soto and Acuna and like Wander Franco is like the next one of those guys. So obviously you should expect, you know, big gains from him as he, you know, turns 22, turns 23. Uh, but I think he's just, what makes him so fascinating is he does not have loud tools. Really? It's, it's the hit tool. It's the approach the like, massive, you know, it could be an 80-grade hit tool, right?
2: But power, speed, just nowhere near those other guys we're talking about. Right, and, and that's and that's my argument. Like, that's why I think it should be a little bit closer than maybe that poll indicated. Um, the, the thing with Wander Franco is you always have to leave the, the the room for the possibility that one day it's like, you know what, uh, I'll let my, my strikeout rate climb to like 18 19%, and I'm going to trade it in for 25 home runs. Because like his hit tool is so good that he can just, he can honestly make that switch. And hit for power if he wanted to. Um, so it's that can happen at any point, in any season. We've seen these kind of small dudes with extremely good hit tools just flip the switch and just turn to power. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if you look at the numbers, like his average exit velocity is not great. Like he, he doesn't really bear with the ball too much. So it's it hasn't shown up yet. But again, he's young, and it's, but it's not like he's supposed to be adding muscle either. He's kind of already kind of uh, compact um, with a good build, and he's been that way since before he debuted. But with Wander, it's like you said, James, the counting stats that we kind of find sexy in, in fantasy just aren't quite there. Um, and, and I always think back to probably one of the biggest, you know, egg in face moments for Prospects Live was when we went and kind of bucked the trend and put Jared Kelnick above Wander Franco in one of our uh, prospect rankings. And obviously that looks really bad in hindsight, uh, but you just had the thing. wrong Mariner. Uh, yeah, yeah, the wrong mariner, right? But I, I think our argument there was we had gotten numbers back then that like his his exit velocity and was not good, and like like where's the power coming from Wander Franco? So while our end result was poor in putting Kelnick above Franco, I don't think like we were that far off base as to like okay, like what's what's going to be the attraction here, the Wander outside of like hitting you know three hundred plus each season? So what would be, uh. Because there, I, there are people out there that like just do
1: not follow prospects that closely. No Wander Franco was the number one prospect, and basically just just by having that information, they sort of think that there's this upside there that you know he could reach, he could break out and reach that this year. What would be a a stat line? like, let's just do batting average, home runs, stolen bases, what would be a sort of high-end stat line that you would sort of say is his kind of realistic ceiling for, for this upcoming season? Like, not 99th percentile
2: outcome, but maybe, you know, 90th, 95th percentile outcome. For 2023 only? Yeah. Um, I would say maybe, like, let's call it 22 home runs, call it like 16, 17 steals, uh, you know, hits 315. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you asked for anything else there, but no, uh, that's, yeah.
1: I think that that's, that's kind of exactly sort of where I'm at on it, too. Because um, it, it's the 315 average. If, if he's hitting for that high of an average, the 22 homers seems like a very fair cap. Uh, yeah. And then if, like you said, if he wants to go for 27, 28, 29 homers, you're not getting that 315 average anymore, probably.
2: And uh, I- I'm looking right now, um, and that's not too far. With the exclusion of runs and RBIs, home run steals and average to what Freddie Freeman did last year. 21 home runs, 13 steals, 325 average. Um, came with you know 117 runs, 100 RBI, right. but uh that's not too far from with, from the, from from those numbers so yeah if
1: i think there's if he just does that or or even if he just goes say it's 315 with 20 homers and 15 steals everyone who selected him where he's going right now will be able to say <laughs> like see got got him number one prospect uh you guys weren't believing in him uh and like you said, the Freddie Freeman comp, it works for those three stats, but it doesn't work for the other two stats. Right, like right. that's yeah. part of what makes Freeman so great is the being in the Dodgers lineup. You're getting just a ton of runs in RBI. Um, but I think, you know, Wander, Wander Franco's steamer projection of 16 homers, 10 steals, two eighty seven average. I think that's, that seems right on to me for a projection system on him. Um So it's, it's a, it's a, I think what makes him so fascinating to me for Dynasty is that the best thing about him is just how high his floor is. But there's not a ton of room between his floor and his ceiling, really. You know, with, with, with a lot of these guys, it's just, well, where's the floor? But think about the ceiling. If, if this all goes right, like if he checks all these boxes, the ceiling's just massive. But with Franco, the
2: best thing about him in Dynasty to me is just how high the floor is, given that he's still just 21 years old. That's what well, that's what well I said. A small gap between the floor and the ceiling. And, and I'm looking at some of the guys around him in redraft, like Vinny P's going one spot before him right now. I, I think I'll take Vinny B, uh, kind of like 10 out of 10, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Gunner I- Henderson, I think I'll take Gunner Henderson, uh, who's a couple spots below Wander Franco. Uh, I mean, it, of course, it depends on like how much average risk did you take before. Like, if you, maybe you took O'Neill Cruz for some reason, maybe you want Wander Franco like the next round. But uh, yeah, I think he's more of like, hey, I need average. Like, come on board. Like, I so I don't want to be treating a player inside the top 100. I was like, I need this already. You know, like more like give me the upside of what you can do as opposed to like come save my team already.
1: Yeah, it's 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 very much about roster construction in in terms of why I'm just not really that interested because. You know, if, if you're just like, I need a guy that's going to lift up my batting average and we're in round seven of the draft, what did you do with those first picks to the point? How did in- you screw <laughs> up? <laughs> <laughs> like you, your batting average should be a strength at the point in the draft where Wanda <laughs> Franco's getting selected. And I mean, you could just take a Jeff McNeil or Luis Arias mm-hmm. 200 picks later, or probably not 200 picks later, 150 picks later, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I just batting average is not something I'm really chasing in the early rounds of a draft from like a, a batting average only type of guy, right? You want to take your first round pick should help your batting average, your, your second, third, fourth round pick. They should all be guys that are hitting for a decent average. Uh, maybe you went like Otani pitcher, pitcher jazz Chisholm or something like that. And your batting average is, is not amazing, but, uh, very few instances for me, uh, where I've, I'm looking at Wander Franco where he's going. Yeah. And then the shortstop aspect too. Like we were mm-hmm. kind of talking about with Trey Turner. I mean, it's the deepest position. It's fair. Uh, so w- where is the gap? Did Are they right next to each other on your, your dynasty rankings, Franco and Jimenez? Yeah. i uh, tell you right
2: now. Um, Jimenez is... got yeah. Wander Franco 25, Gunner, Chisholm, Jimenez. Ooh, nice yeah and gunner
1: nice. gunner's where where do you sort of see gunner's uh batting average obviously for obp i think he's a, a bit more valuable than than batting average where do you sort of see his batting average though this year
2: yeah and then, and then for for context my, our rankings will be obp i think we're supposed to be able to flip a switch and turn it to average but uh we are ranking with obp in mind so hence hence the gunner aggressiveness there but uh average yeah i mean I think I could. I think I could see like a two sixty five. I think is someone mm-hmm. who's shown that he can adjust fairly quickly. Um, so like two sixty five might be the neighborhood we're looking there. So I don't think he'll be a drain kind of right on at you know above average nowadays. I guess we consider two sixty five. So um, not not a, not a concern. I would have if, if I'm drafting him to be honest. Yeah, I mean Gunner
1: could steal more bases than Wander Franco, and he's yeah. and he's qualifying at third base, which is a big, a big difference there.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give me give me Gunners. Potential twenty home runs. Uh, he, he, steamer's got him at twenty-two home runs, ten steals, two fifty-five average, right? So give me, give me that. I'll trade the average for like the upside of more home runs and more steals. Because I, I there, there is a scenario where I can see Gunner hitting more than twenty-two home runs and maybe stealing more than ten bags. I mean, he stole twenty-something in the minors last year. It is minors. They got the, but you know, there are new rules this year, right? So uh, curious to see how that plays out for for his speed. Didn't really run much when he came up last year, but um, I'll take Gunner's upside over Wander's. Is what I'm saying
1: yeah and you know long term uh i don't know when it'll be but i do expect gunner to be a 30 plus homer guy um mm-hmm. eventually so and i don't expect Wander franco to be a 30 plus homer guy um so uh let's uh let's jump into i asked you to do a little bit of homework here i mm-hmm. uh, really appreciate you taking the time to do that but Uh, I'm going to have you give the listeners three players that you think people should be targeting in Dynasty this offseason. And it can be prospects. It could be big leaguers, old big leaguers, young big leaguers. It could be a first year player draft guy, whatever you want. Uh, So why don't you give me your first player? That you think people should be targeting in Dynasty this offseason,
2: Andres Jimenez. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we will we we'll consider that uh, and a bonus. So uh, that, that's my big leaguer there. Well, uh, go get Andres Jimenez. You, you heard why already. Uh, uh, some of the people who listen to Prospects Live in the last month and a half or so, we did a, a, a somewhat similar podcast, so they may recognize this. Brady House is actually a name that um, I mm. think people should consider going out to get. Um, so. Brady House, you know, he was he was shut down with back injury in, in late August. In late June, he went on the aisle with a shoulder injury. And, like, in May, he got an injury that I dug and dug. And I didn't find out what happened to him in May, but he, he left. Like, he, he stopped playing for a bit. Um, Before that May injury in 2022, uh, Brady House hit 326, 408, 449. After that rest of the year, 230, 303, 299. So, but... Um, one of the things I'll be referencing, James, in this list is a uh, part of our prospects live Patreon, we have a, what's what we call our, our data-driven rankings. And with the help mm-hmm. of uh, Tyrion Alexander, we basically have different um, – on a 20 to 80 scale, uh, we ranked um, average EV uh, – uh, I think, no, excuse me, 90th exit velocity, uh, zone contact rate, chase rate, WOBA, X WOBA for – pretty much every single minor leaguer, like this is stuff that isn't public available to the public. You can't find it on VanGraft. So um, you'll hear me reference that. So if I say like someone has like an 80 grade 90th EV, that just means like they were one of the best in the minors when it comes to like 90th EV. So just some context for the, for the listeners here. So um, despite how poorly Brady House did overall in the season, um, he still had a plus a 60 grade 90th EV, um, an average uh, zone contact rate, um, chase rate a little bit below average, kind of 45 grade, more or less. Um, but I think the important thing to keep in mind is if you have a player who's hitting the ball hard and he's making contact in, in the zone, those are two biggest factors to me right now to success in minors. So if you compare, um, I want to, this is kind of an eye opening for me when I looked into this 2021 versus 2022, 2022 power for Brady House. 2021, 90, uh, 90 miles per hour average exit velocity. 105 miles per hour, 90th 90th percentile exit velocity, and a 70% contact rate. 2022, 82 average exit velocity, 82 82 miles per hour. So dropping down from 90 to 82, uh, dropping down from 105, 90th exit velocity to 101, but still maintain that 70% contact rate. So to me, this is someone that just screams like, hey, like this was all injury that kind of screwed up your year. year." Um, I think the upside of a 30 home run bat it's still easily there with like an 825 OPS. Um, he's supposed to be healthy for spring, but I mean, I, I will acknowledge I'm not I'm not a fool. Like injury concerns are not like a real risk with uh-huh. Brady House. Um, but I think he ended up around like 99 or 100 in our Prospects Live October top 500 update. And I was a little bit higher on him uh, than that. So uh, for me, Brady House, someone that I would go out uh, and grab, I think the upside is still there especially when, you know, when he was drafted. He performed really well last year. Kind of the helium really went uh, really quickly for him. So um, that's my first name, James Brady House. I think injuries really dinged him up. Um, and we've seen the power. It just sapped it last year because of it.
1: Yeah, I, I really like the call on Brady House because there you have to dig beneath the surface stats from last year to kind of get the full picture, as you were saying. I mean, he was someone who... I think I want to say I entered the year with him kind of in like around 75th overall or so on the the prospect rankings. And then after he just got off to that awesome start, I bumped him way up, uh, probably top 40 or so. Uh, and he deserved it based on what he was doing at single a before the injuries. And so now he's, he's been out of sight, out of mind. He played long enough through whatever was ailing him, uh, Back injury, or whatever. Uh, he played through it to the point that he kind of tanked his numbers a little bit. Uh, so now you have that that slash line and that isolated power and the the strikeouts and walks. It it looks like it was just kind of a mediocre season for Brady House at Single A. But like you said, when he was healthy, he was playing like the the super high pedigree uh, high school shortstop that that he was uh, entering the draft. So. I I love that call.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's just to me, I think this is an easy, an easy, uh, buy low, uh, in dynasty. I mean, uh, you want want to sometimes target players that something was obviously wrong with them. Here was the injury, and like the pedigree has been high. So this is a chance to maybe buy in. If it works, then I mean, I guarantee the price you pay right now is going to look silly. You know, if he does well, and if it doesn't work, then that, you know, then you shouldn't have been paying that much to begin with.
1: Yeah, and, and it's he's an especially appealing target if you are a rebuilder mm-hmm. and if you're lucky enough for House to be on the roster of a contender uh, because he is you know, three years away, probably. And so if you're a rebuilder, I love the idea of, of trying to buy, buy low on him this offseason. Uh, all right, who's your second player that people should be going after
2: this winter in Dynasty Leagues? Uh, this is absolutely no surprise coming from a prospects live person. Uh, Kobe Mayo, I, I think is a name that I'm just – I'm not going to quit. Um, he was someone who we were pretty aggressive with in like, the first half of 2022 on our top 500. He was like top 35. Finally relented a little bit because I finally dropped him a little bit. Uh, I think he ended up 49 in October. Um, and I think he – it's kind of like a tale of two, uh, of two halves here for for Kobe Mayo. and In his high-A debut, You know he had great power, slugged almost 500 – um, we have our Robo Scout tool and, and Patreon, and it, he ranked uh, 84 uh, for his Robo score, which is pretty strong. It's on a scale of one to 100, um, and then he kind of got the bump to double A. Um, not great, 250, 331, 398. Um, so the power kind of kind of left him. But he, what I like about Kobe Mayo is that he makes more contact than you might realize, given the average. Um, and, and again, shout out to Tieran Alexander who released uh, an article about best fastball hitters a, a, a few weeks ago on, on our main site. Um, Kobe Mayo has a 91% contact rate with a 41% hard hit rate in the upper zone against against fastballs, and that's the best in all of the minor leagues of that combo. Like no one hit the ball harder with that much contact in the top zone against fastball than Kobe Mayo did. Um, and and to me, he just crushes he crushes flat fastballs. So, like and that's fastballs with like a induced vertical break of like 18 inches or more. And that just means he's built for today's game. P- you know, pitchers are throwing at the top of the zone with their flat fastballs, and Kobe Mayo eats those up. Now, all right, where does he struggle? Kind of the bottom of the zone is kind of is his, is his issue. Pitches, you know, breakers and stuff. He doesn't really perform well, but he knows how to lay off them, right? So going back to those data-driven rankings and that twenty to eighty scale I mentioned before, um, sixty grade, you know, in his 90th exit velocity, he's got a fifty-five in zone contact and chase rate. So. He still hits the ball hard, and he makes contact in the zone. And to me, he turned I think he just turned 21 or is about to turn 21. So I don't think we should lose sight of the fact that his poor double-A performance um, should hinder him that much. To me, it opened the window, if anything. And I generally think there's still top 20 upside here. I'm like so in on like pretty much every single Orioles bat, given how well they're developing them there. <laughs> so Kobe Mayo, give them to me all day
1: yeah man it's uh I, I like this call too. Uh, it's interesting because i I saw uh, Eric Birdland uh, on Twitter who uh, I think does the represents the Orioles in the the annual prospects live mm-hmm. uh, mock draft. I think he he was having a back and forth with uh, Eric Cross yesterday and, and he said he has Mayo as his number one prospect in the whole system if I'm reading his tweets correctly, which uh, I respect that, that take and that, that confidence. I, it's just such a loaded system. I can't go there on that. And I I hope I'm, I'm uh, kind of understanding his tweet correctly there and not, not misspeaking, but uh, it is just really impressive how well uh, a lot of their, you know, guys they've invested a lot in uh, in terms of draft capital how well they've developed those guys so far i mean it looks like uh like i think jackson holiday looks like a, a future superstar uh cowser and norby have developed about as good as you could hope They they look close to helping out and uh mayo is is sort of a, a forgotten man and and you can look at and his stats his stats don't jump in the upper levels the way that that Norby's and Kowsers uh, do, and but you have to remember, this is the prep bat, and those guys were the college bats, and they pushed mm-hmm. him really aggressively last year. Uh, you know, I don't, I think many orgs would have just left him at high A probably, but uh, I do like that call quite a bit because it's always nice to trade for a player when at the last level they were at. There's some kind of uninspiring
2: statistics. Exactly. I mean, listen, the Orioles, the Orioles like bats who don't chase, uh, hit the ball hard, and uh-huh. make contact in the zone. So, like, that's kind of like the common thread between a lot of their prospects. Once you kind of look at it, and Kobe Mayo does all three, right? So he doesn't chase, he hits the ball hard, and he makes contact in the zone. Um, so this is it reminds me a little bit. And I'm not saying he'll turn into Gunner, but I'm in more. In the, it reminds me just Gunner Henderson. I think what was it, 2021. There was a point where like we were high on him, and then he really struggled. Um, and we're like, "Damn!" Like Gunner Henderson, kind of, we planted our flag on him hard in early 2021, and he's kind of letting us down a little bit here. And then he just turned around big time. So to me, this is like Kobe Mayo. Was, like he's right now where Gunner is. Like where people are kind of down yeah. on him a little bit. Yep. And I think there's there's a big future coming. So to me, another Kobe Mayo, another name you should be trading for.
1: Yeah, that's a great call. Uh, or great callback to that to when Gunner did kind of have that one uh lean stretch uh what what's your prediction for because we're talking about all these o's guys and and a lot of them are close uh what's your prediction for sort of let's say let's say 2024 uh pre-arrival of jackson holiday who is their everyday second baseman who's their everyday shortstop who's their everyday third baseman
2: hmm I Think Gunner stays at third, he's a really, really great defender at third, so I, I think he sticks there. Um, at least basically Norby, I, I think Norby party comes up and then he becomes a second baseman. As for shortstop,
1: um, it's kind of you got Mayo, Westberg, and
2: Ortiz. West, uh, what, uh, yeah, Westberg. Now, now you got me thinking because Westberg isn't the greatest defender he might shift to a little bit of a utility role i like the bat and i actually like the bat a lot um but i think because they're kind of stacked up, like gunner can be a shortstop he's a better third baseman though so like I'm, I'm i'm thinking logically like they maybe want the glove where it's best but then maybe you think if gunner can man short they maybe take that trade off maybe put like westberg at third and like move him around a little bit um so and, and yeah, you do have Ortiz. I'm not I, I feel like you know more about Ortiz than I do, James. I know you're a little bit a little bit higher on him. Um I, I like him as well, but um twenty twenty four man. Well, you know, probably one of Ortiz
1: or Westberg ends up in a utility yeah. role. Um and then I guess what I was sort of getting at is like is Mayo is Mayo gonna end up at first base slash
2: D H for them. I could see that. I mean yeah. I, I I could see that. I mean because they'll, they'll still have some. Uh, is I if Santander will be still under contract. He might he might be on the tail end. He might not be on the on like the next great they'll, Orioles team. They'll probably they'll probably
1: flip him before yeah. he hits free agency. I would guess. Um, okay, so we've got I love loving both these calls so far. We got Brady House with the Nats. We got Kobe Mayo with the Orioles. Who is the third player that that people should go out and get this offseason in dynasty?
2: Uh, I'll throw out an FYPD name. Nothing, nothing crazy here. Uh, I just kind of want to maybe push up his, his ADP a little bit more here. Dalton Rushing from, from the Dodgers catcher. Uh, fantastic debut. Um, kind of, well, nice little voice crack there. Uh, going from uh, full season, I mean, just I want to reread these numbers. Again, super small sample size, 28 games, which is just so silly. Uh, 424 average, 539 OBP, 778 slug, identical walk, and strikeout rates at 16%. Just He just had a really monstrous debut as a 21-year-old. Um, and, again, calling back to those data-driven rankings, 70-grade um, on the 90th EV, hits the ball really, really hard. 50-grade uh, 50, 50 grade average zone contact, so, again, hitting the ball really hard and making contact at an average rate inside the zone. Uh, a plus on chase, chase rate, so he, he chases less than average, and a plus on uh, how often he's swinging in the zone, right? So, like, again, we have a prospect. Who swings a little bit more often than usual inside the zone, doesn't chase. When he's swinging in the zone, he's making average contact. And when he makes that contact, it's going really far because he's hitting it really hard. And it's just, it's a simple kind of one plus one equals two for me uh, with Dalton Rushing. And I think he's, uh, we were working uh, with one of our patrons in one of his private chats. And I think he said he got Dalton Rushing a few weeks ago in like the mid to late twenties. And I was like, that's absurd. That's that's what an incredible price that is. I have him as I think 14 or 13 in my personal FYPD rankings. So to me, this is a bonafide first rounder. And, and if you, for some reason want to trade out of like, maybe you pick four or five, cause you maybe won't get one of the prep guys, uh, trade down to like 10, 11, 12 and aim for Dalton rushing. Uh, I think he's, he's ranked 80th on our top 500 from October. Um, and he'll probably hang around there come February, but, uh, yeah, I'm all in on Dalton rushing, man. Really, really good. And I'm not really worried right now about, okay, how does he fit with Diego Cartaya and like Will Smith? You know, like that's just not like a problem right now that I'm worried about. I never, I I never draft about like, Oh man, I need, I need some pitchers in my farm. Like, no, like just don't worry about the position your players and your farm system are playing. Just draft the skills. So Dalton rushing last name. Does that, uh, So I think I'm probably least bullish
1: on the rushing call of the three. I really, really strongly endorse the first two. Uh, I think, you, to me, I do, when it comes to catcher, I'm not trying to have four or five catching prospects on my Dynasty team. Uh, I could easily roster four or five good catching prospects every season because they pop up. And they're the people are slowest to grab the catching prospects because Mm -hmm. if you're an active dynasty manager, you're going to have probably a a quality big league catcher, at least kind of like a top 12 ish, top 15 ish big league catcher. Uh, And then, you know, last year alone, you could have scooped up, depending on the depth of your league, you could have scooped up Andy Rodriguez, you could have scooped up Logan O'Happy uh you could have scooped up edgar Caro. you could have you know you get dawn rushing in the second round of a fypd do you have a problem rostering more than you know two or three catchers in a dynasty because like in my experience it's it's hard
2: to trade those guys and yeah. get fair value yeah so so maybe i miscommunicated so i don't I'm not a fan of like rostering a ton of catchers. Uh, I am, although we're in a little bit of a catcher renaissance right now. Um, but what I meant was within the Dodgers org, like I, yes, yes. I'm not worried about like how, how like Cartaya versus rushing is going to shake out, you know? So, but, but yeah, like as, as, as principal, I mean, listen, I, I hate catching, I hate catchers, right? So <laughs> I, I don't like catching prospects, uh, but I do acknowledge that, that, that tide has shifted a little bit over the last two to three years. Um, no, I'm not trying to roster four or five guys. And, like, if I have a good one, like, I have Diego Cartaya and, like, Tyler Soderstrom in one league. And now, Sauterstrom is probably not going to be a catcher. You know, more than likely not. Right. But yeah. I'm like, okay, I got Cartaya. I'm good. Like, I don't really need like I don't, I'm not trying to seek Dalton rushing in that league. I'm not trying to seek Logan and Hoppy in that league right now. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you that when it comes to how many catches you roster, I mean, keep it to one or two for the most part. Um, and if you got a certified catcher, then you can forget about that position for a while.
1: Yeah, and it obviously depends, you know, if you're starting two catchers, maybe you want yeah, two ones you can uh roll out with confidence that are in the majors, and then maybe you have room for a, a third who's a, a high end, high upside prospect. But yeah. uh once you you know, if you're like I think I'm in I'm in one dynasty league where I have like I just picked up enough <laughs> good catchers to the fact that i already i do have like four now and you just you just can't get anything in trade when when someone looks at your roster and sees that you have four of the top 18 dynasty catchers you're just not gonna get a ton when you try to move those guys so they
2: just That's, become sweeteners and trades at that point
1: right and uh and i did i mentioned this on the the saturday podcast but i do think with this catcher renaissance that we're seeing Especially, I know that there's, there's probably people that play in, you know, 15-team, one-catcher, dynasty leagues. Uh, I think there's, there's going to be a point, if we're not already there, where starting one of your catchers in a util spot is going to eventually start making sense. If enough of these catching prospects kind of perform at the level that we, we think they will. Uh, there's just going to be situations I think in dynasty leagues where it's a viable move to be starting two catchers even in one catcher leagues just because there is such kind of a an influx of talent at that position. That's fair, and I hope I never to be doing that. Yeah, no, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't sound fun. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, now let's let's uh, let's get to the three players on the flip side that you think people should either be sort of trading or fading. You know, if, if we're talking about a first-year player draft or a startup dynasty draft, fading and then trading um, for for established leagues and stuff like that. So, who is the the first player that you
2: would be advising people to kind of be
1: be shopping or or staying away from this offseason?
2: This one's always a little tough because, right? You, it, I, the way I look at it. You know, you ask me like, what are some players you want to be buying? I just opened my dynasty leagues. I'm like, yeah, like I'm glad I own this guy. Like, you should go get him. Um, uh-huh. But like, with, you you don't want to look at your team like, man, this guy sucks. I wish I could get rid of him, right? So, mm-hmm. but I, I did do that with one of them, and that's John Carlos Stanton in, in our Highlander <laughs> draft. So, uh, you know, rostering Stanton right now is, is a little scary, especially in an average league. You know, last year he took a huge, hit like 221, I think. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was 2022 was the first real step toward his like career decline. Um, I'm not. I'm not questioning the power has gone anywhere. Um, I think he's still like a potential 30 home run bat with like 120, 130 games. But give me someone like, you know, Matt Olsen, Springer, even like Santander or like even Roddy Telez over like Stanton at this point in an average league. So um, I think if you have Stanton, especially in an OBP league where he still has some value, uh, more value than an average league at least, like look into moving him. I know power was a little bit down across the league last year. So like there is some, some value in rostering his 25 to 30 home runs, but uh, he's a little bit of a headache to own. You know, he will get injured and ultimately um, you can probably still bank a little bit on the name value uh, for Stanton and and, and get someone that shouldn't be a step down uh, to be honest. So I've, I've ended up with
1: Stanton in a couple uh, draft and hold actually, no, I think a couple gladiator leagues, um, I don't mind him for redraft, but where, do, where do you sort of see? And I mean, you're, you're definitely right. You know, 211 average last year, 297 OBP, pretty big steps down from what we've been accustomed to. And he actually, you know, he, he was about as durable as you could hope for Stanton these days, mm-hmm. 110 mm-hmm. games. Uh, but, you know, he did have a uh, 227 BABIP, which is extremely low uh, for him. And he he started
2: off really hot too. So, like, if I'm looking, like, you just kind of this arbitrary endpoint here on the Fangraphs game log, but uh, starting in mid May, for example, uh, from so from mid May to the end of the year, uh, 174, 283, 422. Mm. Uh, rough, rough finish for my guy, yeah. Uh, huh, yeah. So,
1: I mean, you're, I mean, we're, we're looking at. You know, he had a 240 XBA steamer, has him for 247. I assume you're taking an an under on 247 for, for 2023.
2: Yeah, I'll take the under. I mean, it may, it may not be my much, but uh, that, that 220 dip was, was big. I mean, the contact rates went down a little bit. I mean, two levels that they have been before. So it's not the first time he has like a 66% contact rate. But uh, it, it is a little bit a little bit of a dip down than when it was the last couple of years prior.
1: Yeah, I think uh, of the names you mentioned. I think uh, I think Rowdy Tellez. You could probably turn Stanton into Rowdy Tellez in a decent amount of dynasty leagues, I would think, because with Stanton, you know he's going to play when he's healthy, uh, given the contract, and he oh my- is he. He is still, you know, he's, he's uh, de-juiced ball proof. He's one of yeah. the three guys, you know, like you've got Jordan Alvarez, uh, Aaron Judge. Uh, Stanton is probably top five in terms of just doesn't matter what baseball it is. He can still hit it out to every every corner of the park.
2: Would you, I mean, am I wrong in thinking that in a dynasty league, you can trade for Rowdy and like expect a little something extra? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one.
1: I think if you can find a a match where the person who has Stanton is clearly in win now mode, uh, or the per- the person that would be acquiring Stanton is mm-hmm. clearly in win now mode, I think it it would probably make sense for both parties. Uh, maybe a little something uh, with Rowdy, but yeah, I think that that's a fit that might be out there for some people. Um, okay, cool. All right, so who is uh, the second person that you you think people should be staying away from or, or trading this offseason? Uh,
2: this this would have been about a lot more. Uh, I don't know, if shocking is the right word, but like just a lot more. Like, oh really? As as it is right now, I think everyone's kind of on this right now. But uh, Robert Hassel is just a name that I think you should you should move this year. Um, <laughs> get get what you can, uh, get what you can for him. Yeah, trade. yeah. Uh, I've been off the Hassel train for a few months. I don't think he's more than an average player, is to be honest. He's outside mm-hmm. of my, he's outside of my top sixty at this point. Um, I think it, going back to the data driven rankings I've been mentioning, it's just, just 50s across the board for Robert Hassel and like, yeah. you know, average EV contact, like even his contact rates that are supposed to be the carrying thing for him weren't so great last year. Um, just to give you some con I, m- I moved him like, uh, I think like summer of last year um, and in a 20 team OBP league. And I moved Hassel and Trevor Rogers back when he was in the struggle bus for Zach Veen, Jordan Westberg, and a first for this upcoming. Uh, FYPD. So, um, it hurt to move Trevor Rogers because I, I love mm-hmm. Trevor Rogers, but it, I was happy to move Robert Hassel for like someone like Zach Mean and Jordan Westberg, So, uh, just Hassel's is just just an average player. I mean, he'll be he'll be fine, but um, I don't think there's any sort of star upside with him.
1: Yeah, I'm, I I haven't quite gotten this far yet in terms of solidifying my sort of big update to the prospect rankings that'll go up in uh, late January, but. Hassle, I've got Hassle at forty-five right now. I can guarantee he won't be top fifty. Uh, let's see. I like, for instance, I don't think you could probably pull this off. I would take South Relic ten times out of ten over Robert Hassle. Uh, that might that might be doable, uh, depending on what rankings the person is is kind of looking at. Uh, yeah. Are there any are there any other names that that sort of prospect names where you you could see the consensus still being on Hassel but you would you would make the the swap for a different like would
2: I don't know would you trade him for Emmanuel Rodriguez? Oh that's like that's not even close easy man. I but I I'm really high on Emmanuel Rodriguez. I like how about, top top 30 high. How about uh Dustin Harris? Uh, let me let me. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna pull up my own rankings in, within our top 500 here. So Harris, I have um 84, and Hassel at 65. So okay. it's it's close. Um, I, I might take I might take Harris um at that point. Um, here are some names I personally have above Hassel. Sure. Yeah. Um, let me see. Tanner Bybee I have above Hassel. I have Kosta Montgomery. I have Harry Ford, Adele Amador. Um, obviously be Mayo, um, Gavin cross, um, Jason, Dominguez, Connor Norby, Westberg, Rocchio, Jackson, Mero, uh, all those guys are above. Robert I think Haskell,
1: that, though. you know, Mayo is actually a really good name because I, I don't think you could do this. I think I would think you could maybe do that swap in maybe 50% of situations.
2: If you I think, just... people would. I think, I think, yeah, I think you, you, you can easily acquire Mayo for a hassle and then maybe like, get a little bit more maybe like a pick a, a mid-round pick somewhere mid-draft pick as well you know maybe like mayo maybe, and like a third yeah fire. i'd probably i'd probably start the offer out there but i'd I'd probably
1: <laughs> just settle for a straight up swap if, yeah, if sure. necessary um but that yeah that's a that's a good sort of range of players and a good list of players out there for people that want to and nobody wants to sell low but uh kind of look at hassle i mean I suppose he could he could have a rebound uh, next season after like a full offseason to kind of get accustomed to his new new team. But, um, I mean that that run he had at at High A with the Padres last year is doing a lot of the lifting in terms of if you want to be high on Robert Hassel because. Listen, it's, uh...
2: I, 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 in that same league where I traded him away that year prior, I traded for Robert Hassel. I think it was pretty much, I mean, if I'm maybe remembering, I think it was literally just, I moved Robbie Ray for Robert Hassel. And, and when I was kind of like tearing down a little bit and I was like, oh, oh hell he was... yeah, like I got Robert Hassel. I remember being excited, you know? So like, and now it's like, well, I got, I, yeah, I, moved him for what I could. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you don't
1: want to just give him away um, for some guy that you know is, is kind of almost a replacement level prospect or something like that but mm-hmm. uh yeah I, i'm with you there all right so who is the uh final uh guy to, to get off of the soft season
2: um how about a guy that i think almost nobody rosters yet and uh masataka yoshida <laughs> 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 I, I'm, I'm calling for one of the mpb imports to uh I, i'm just not interested at all um this is uh anyone not familiar uh coming over from the mpb he's an outfielder uh lefty bad uh, 28 years old i think he'll be 29 next year um and his numbers on the mpb look good you're gonna look at you're gonna pull them up and say oh wow he hit like 20 home run 21 home runs and he hit 336 with a 449 OEP and he you know slugging over 500 for like the last like four or five years uh but to me this is someone who um, he's going to come over. He's going to have an excellent average. I think he, the bat to bob ability is, is truly excellent, um, but everything else, it, to me, is just going to be lackluster, um, and we're going to be looking at someone who maybe hits like 280, 290, and has less than 15 home runs and doesn't run too much. So uh, we've talked a little bit earlier about some of the guys that that's just not really interesting to me at this point. Give me some of the upside, and he's more of a guy that you pick up to fill a need at this point. So I don't I don't have him ranked quite yet in in my next dynasty update or rather prospect only update. But I expect he'll be outside of top 100. And I know he's a ready made big leaguer, but I just think the upside isn't there for Yoshida. So um, if you happen to roster him, consider moving him before, like we see the performance uh, come, to, uh, you know, come come the regular season. I've I've officially pumped the break, James, on some of these imports. I was definitely in on oh, man, I'm blanking. Who was the one last year? Um, that came in. I, no, it was saya but was there someone else? I forgot. Are you it, thinking it, about like Hasan Kim from a may, it, years ago? It may have been Hasan Kim. Yeah, I was definitely in on Hasan Kim. I was definitely in on Seiya, and both of those guys have let me down. I mean, they're they're they sell some other things, but when it comes to the fantasy realm, um, I'm now in the prove it to me first, and I'm I'm okay being late. I'm okay then having to buy high if I need to. But uh, I will pass on them uh, if the price is too high here.
1: Yeah, I, I usually am, am hands off on the 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 Asian imports when they come in. Uh, there's usually just there's somebody or maybe a few people in in my leagues that are more excited, and it's just uh, I think it's okay to just admit that you don't necessarily know and to kind of be agnostic on some of these guys because there's just so much that goes into making that transition. And it's so hard, you know, anyone who is just looking at video from a year ago on these guys and looking at their baseball reference page and trying to tell you that they're extremely confident what this player is going to be, you know, it's kind of BS to me. Um, so I I'm with you on that. Generally, I will say on Hassan Kim, I was, all the way out on him for first year player drafts, but I'm kind of actually all the way in on him for uh, redraft right now because of how cheap the price is. And I think there's, I, I was getting a little worried when there were rumors that that could be a Trey Turner destination, but uh, Kim is, is just a really, really good defender, which I didn't think would be necessarily part of the, equation with him and if you project full-time playing time for Kim this year he he gets to double digit homers double digit steals pretty easily and he's got uh, a pretty nice duo of shortstop and third base eligibility so I was completely out on Kim and now this offseason I'm in so maybe this will be one of those things where I should have just stayed out the whole time and it ends up looking bad but uh, you can get him late 200s right now in uh, in redraft and so I don't I don't mind that price and and kind of like you were saying I'm okay just missing like if someone's going to come over and just be awesome I'm okay missing on that but just because you're low on one of these guys when they come over doesn't mean you can't get back in once you see something I mean kind of same thing with Sayo Suzuki I wasn't really on him last year mm-hmm. but I, I I I thought he was impressive when I when I saw him play in in 2022 and uh. He's, he's definitely going to hit in the middle of that lineup. So I think you can kind of adjust on the fly, but I don't really like buying in kind of
2: blind on these guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, well I, I can see the appeal, right? So like, let me, let me then let me spend a draft pick rather than, oh shit, this guy is good in April. Like, like say Suzuki was, if, if you maybe if someone traded for say Suzuki at end of April, they probably paid a pretty, oh, yeah. pretty nice price for him. Right. And then that, that kind of turns out. Um, and, th- and I think one thing that maybe is often forgotten is the, the, the gap in, Fastball velocities in the MPV versus yeah. major leagues. It's like the MPB has an average fastball of like 90 miles an hour, and I think it's like 93 now, approaching ninety four mm-hmm. in the majors. So that's that's huge. That's it's, I mean, such a different game. So yeah. it's that's that's a big adjustment, and that's kind of the reason why you know you see someone hitting 20 home runs easy in the MPB, like well, all right, let me cut that in half for the majors. Right. Yep.
1: Okay. So uh we got the three buys, we got the three sells, uh time for the the final segment of the show uh we'll be keeping keeping going with our adp segment here uh we got the 15th round of nfbc draft champions adp uh so far we've done the 11th round 12th round 13th round and 14th round uh so i'm going to read out the 15 players who have an average adp or an average adp who have an adp of the 15th round in the FPC, And then Eddie and I will each pick a guy that we are buying and a guy that we are selling at the cost. So we got Jack Flaherty, DJ LeMayhew, Trevor Rogers, Anthony Rendon, Bryson Stott, Lars Nootbar Danny Jansen, John Birdie, Gene Segura, Christopher Morrell, Reed Detmers, Sonny Gray, Jose Barrios, JD Martinez, and Ramon Laureano. All right, Eddie, who is... The player from this group of 15 that you are buying
2: in the 15th round. Um I was between two names here. Uh I will go one and then after you reveal your second name, uh, maybe I'll toss the third one okay, sure. picked by you. Um I'll go with Lars Nootbar here ah. <laughs> <laughs> for uh for the buy here. Uh man, I mean, he the Cardinals just keep producing these outfeeders. And uh bar, I think, is low key, someone who if, if there was some way to like place bets on like, you know, steamer like projections, right? Right on Vanguard, I would push the over hard on like what is not what his line is. Um, I think, he, I think 18 home runs, seven steals, 247 average is what he's, is what he's kind of pegged for now. But yep. I could easily see this being a 25 home run bat uh, come end of 2023. Um, he's someone that, if you remember, like there was a big article on him from Driveline early last year, or rather earlier this year of how he went there and he improved his swing speed. And swing speed um, is something that I don't, I don't know if a lot of people realize is so impactful to your impact uh, at the plate. Um, and just because it's one of like the last frontiers of stuff we don't have like data on, um, at least on the public side. Um, but he added eight miles per hour to his swing speed, and that's the difference of hitting the ball 35 feet further now, on average, right? So every time Lars Nukbar puts the ball in the air now, it's going – 35 feet farther than it was before he did the whole program. So for me, just overall, bar, I think is just someone who might be on the cusp of like a really strong breakout and, and on that swing speed kind of in ball on the impact. Compare his 2021, which is only 58 games, to his 2022 108 games, but jumped up uh, average EV 89 to 91 miles an hour, his max EV 109 to 113, his barrel rate 4% to 12%, right, and all while maintaining contact. Uh, at the same pace. So, um Newt Bar, I think, we're headed for 25 home runs, and if he hits near the top of that uh, Cardinals order, which he's, I think Rosser Resources has him as leadoff. I don't know if that's going to be the case to begin with, but if he does end up at some point in the year hitting in the top half, that's going to be very fruitful. Yeah. Uh, Newt Bar would have
1: been my pick as well. Uh, one of the nice things about playing in, a, in, like, a co-managing a, a dynasty team with, Eno know, is that I, I hear about stuff like that driveline trip before it's written about sometimes, mm-hmm. and so as soon as Newt Bar came into playing time last season, I added him pretty much everywhere, and it was it was solid. It was a solid run, but he he did get unlucky with that two twenty eight average. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you you know we're kind of just talking about say, a Suzuki. I think. Lars Nootbar is kind of 90% of, say, a Suzuki this year, and he's going, I don't know, five, six rounds later. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a good call. I, I would definitely take Nukbar over Suzuki this year. And he, you know, he might be – it's funny. Like, whenever I talk about Jordan Walker and just kind of, you know, where does he fit into this Cardinals lineup? Like, who's the player that's kind of on the outs – and we start talking about the Cardinals outfielders. I feel like Newt Bar is the one who's most locked in, which is kind of weird to say when you got Dylan Carlson, former top prospect. You got Tyler O'Neill, who was, you know, getting drafted in the third round a year ago. Um, Newt Bar being sort of the most locked in, the most steady of their their outfielders there is is interesting. I, I don't know. He did play twelve games in center field last year. He might have to move to center. If they want to, if they want to do a Tyler O'Neill Jordan Walker at the corner uh, outfield spots, and kind of demote Carlson, that would kind of leave Newt Bar Hefner, Patrol Center. But um, yeah, I think double or twenty plus homers, he could flirt with ten steals, and then yeah, if he's leading off, um, obviously you don't want him getting platooned. Uh, but he was he was playing pretty much every day um for good good stretches of the second half last year so i'm not that worried about that one yeah um all right so i gotta pick someone who's not newt bar um so of these 15 players the ones who i have shares of so far are trevor rogers bryson stott newt bar Danny Jansen. Okay. So I'm down to, I think I'm down to Danny Jansen and Sonny gray here. Um, I'm going to say Sonny gray. Uh, I, I know that he, he's not a, a good bet to get you much more than like 140, 150 innings, but he was excellent last season when he did pitch and, uh, he, I think he finished quite strong, uh, in this range, this, this kind of caliber pitcher here, uh, there's, there's no real sure things. Like I, 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 think that he's about as safe as any pitcher that you're going to be able to get from the 15th round on from just a, how they will perform when they're healthy standpoint. And I think it's an okay team context for getting wins. Uh, I think if if you get more than 140 innings, it's it's a nice nice profit, and even if you just get 130, 140, I think it's fine. So uh, I've been ending up with a decent amount of Sonny Gray in the middle rounds.
2: I'm um, uh, Trevor Rogers would have been my second pick. Um, okay, he's, he's someone that like so we're we're simpatico there. I'm kind of surprised you didn't go with your boy Reed Detmers. I thought it was a slam dunk. Well, I love Detmers.
1: I I almost mentioned him. Uh, the big so the reason I didn't go with Rogers is just. I think you gotta expect kind of like seven wins, something something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, True. So tough to tough to only get six, seven, eight wins from a pitcher you're taking this high. I do I do think he bounces back in a big way. Um so I, I, I do have some Rogers. And then I do have some Detmers. Um I hate the fact that you're probably not getting any two start weeks out of him. Um fair. Yeah, that's that's kind of the The knock I have on on the Angels pitchers, even the ones I like, but I I, this is a this is a fine round to to get sort of SP four, SP five guys. Um so yeah, I I co sign going after those guys as well,
2: but I I like Gray
1: a little bit more. All right, uh who is the guy that you're fading from these fifteen?
2: Uh this is a super easy call for me. It's DJ LeMayhu, you know. I I get it maybe he hits like two seventy, but like you're getting ten home runs maybe. Uh playing time might not, not might not be there the full way he's not gonna steal you anything this is like about as empty as it comes to be honest and it's not even like empty batting average because like it's like the batting average is not that great either so this is a simple like what are you actually giving me here so he's Le you know 34 easy call i just just on, a, on the decline yeah I, I totally get that uh yeah you just don't i mean if
1: he's only playing three four days a week he's basically unusable yeah um, so I've, again, I've got a few guys to choose from here. Um, actually, you know, a few guys that I'm just completely out on. Uh, hmm.
2: It's just like uninspiring guys, right? John Birdie, <laughs> Gene Segura. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just the guys are like, eh. You know, do I really want to pick these dudes? Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, I want to. I want to. I want to talk. Uh, Talk junk about a bunch of these guys. Um, I think I'm hook. gonna. <laughs> all right, I think I'm gonna say. I think I'm gonna say John Birdie. I, I do want I. I'm I'm out on Flaherty. I'm out on Rendone, Um, I'm out on, Laureano. But I will. I'll go with Birdie here because, you're obviously you're you're taking him for one stat, and it's the stolen bases. But do we know that he is playing every day out of spring training? And if he opens the year in a utility role, how long are you holding him for these steals? And then if you took John Birdie in the 15th round, trying to get 25, 30, 35 steals, how does that impact how you drafted the rest of your team? Because if you're taking him there, you you need those steals. And does yeah. that mean you're not chasing speed later because you're banking on the 30 steals you have from Birdie? I just I don't like it's kind of it's throwing a wrench into your whole build. Uh, and, it's great. It's great when you can add him off waivers and get those steals that way. But I just I think taking him in the 15th round is a is just a huge mess.
2: Yeah, and and you got to also consider like with the changes to the. Um... Uh, The bases, and then how, and how you know the pickoffs next year. Like, if steals as a whole increase, it therefore makes John Birdie's value decrease a little bit because, by by just nature of things, like more guys will be seeing bases. Therefore, you got to you you don't have to rely as much on those single category ones uh, after.
1: Yeah, I I think my that's sort of I'm very hesitant to make any sort of predictions about the how the stolen base rules impact stuff, but my guess would be that it helps the guys kind of in the middle. Like it it helps the sort of it helps Vlad Guerrero get to fifteen steals or helps Freddie Freeman get to eighteen steals or or something like that versus it helping John Birdie get to fifty steals.
2: I, and there was and there was also uh, man, I'll never forget it. Shout out to uh Rob Silver, um, good follow on, on Twitter, very smart dude. He I think for Rotowire, one of the Rotowire magazines two or three years ago, James, and I, I never forgot it. It was an article where it, it was like the cost of taking those speed only guys and how mm-hmm. that impacts the rest of your categories more than you realize. So like it really yep. brings down like your home run, your ability to compete in home runs in the top three and RBIs, et cetera. So I've always had them in the back of my head when you, when you think speed only guys. So yeah, I, I like the, I had the birdie call and we confirmed that you hate the Marlins with uh, Rogers and birdie there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man. Okay. Yeah. That was a, that was a great article by Rob. And uh, I mean, he came on the pod last off season and uh, was dead on about fading miles straw. And I, I think I made a, a pro or not a take straw, but I made a, I'm not crossing him off my list. I think there's a, a time and a place to take straw. And, and
2: Rob was of course dead on with that call. Hey, Miles uh, my, Straw versus Tommy Edmund was a conversation last week. Last, last, last <laughs> believe it or not. You think um, the work? Tommy Edmund
1: slander will not stop. Yeah. It, it just won't <laughs> <Dude>. stop.
2: <laughs> all right, Eddie, why
1: don't you let people know what uh, what we can be looking for from Prospects Live, uh, Prospects Live Patreon here in, in the coming weeks.
2: Yeah, man. Um uh plenty of plenty of items here. Appreciate you giving me the chance to, to spotlight it here. Um on the prospects live Patreon. So just kind of for those not familiar, you know, prospectslive.com, the main site, very heavy on uh, MLB draft, very heavy on just like analytical prospect articles, the Patreon side of things. Um that's where we do all the fantasy stuff. And it's frankly, to be honest, it's what helps us pay like the rest of the staff at large, right? So that's where kind of all of our pretty much most of our uh money generation comes in. So uh, appreciate any support for there from current patrons. I'm sure we do, I know there's a crossover here, James, um, and any maybe future new ones. But next this month, we have the top 1,000 dynasty list dropping. This is something that we I've been promising for like over a year, year and a half now. And we're finally making good on it. Um, it's combining minor leaguers and major leaguers, top 1,000. And uh, this is being spearheaded by Jordan Rosenblum. He's uh, using a lot, of, uh, a lot of formulas, a lot of statistics, a lot of math to help Create a foundation, um, and then we then, as a team, me, Dylan White, Drew Wheeler, uh, Matt Thompson, come in and then help mold it, uh, you know, a little bit ourselves. That's a big offering for this year, or for this this month rather, next month. Uh, top 100 FYPD ranking, top 500 update prospects in February. And if you missed it last month, we released uh, the data-driven rankings by and Alexander, where it's just it's data that's not public. Again, we don't have the specific numbers to show you, but we do have that 20 to 80 scale. So extremely, extremely useful. There's some names on there, especially younger names that you have not heard about that you know want to have on your watch list heading into 2023. We have the Batter Comp Tool by Dead and White, really cool, uh, really cool tool where you can kind of plug in a player's name, his season, and see who are some people historically, like dating back to 2008, that mirror what this prospect is doing. And uh, finally, we are in the middle of the top 30 reports being released. These are the scouting reports, not fantasy driven. They're like full on, like kind of, you know, quote unquote, real life baseball. Um, That's being spearheaded by Jake Kearns, our scouting director. Uh, We released all of the AL West. We're wrapping up the NL West right now. You can all you can find the top 10 for free on the main site. And if you want the full 30 reports for each team, that's at the five dollar level at our Patreon. So a lot of stuff. A lot of content. We try to give you the most bang for your buck as possible. And this is where you kind of insert the cliche quote about the cost of a Starbucks coffee per month. <laughs> yeah, definitely
1: a, a great time to support everyone at, at Prospects Live. I am a very satisfied patron, and uh, I think uh, you, you definitely won't regret it if you sign up over there. Uh, lots of good stuff to come this offseason uh, from those guys. And, uh, Eddie, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on with me. Uh, of course, thanks so much. Thanks for the invite. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be taking uh, next week off from the pod, but I think Todd Zola, uh, Lord Zola is going to hop in and pinch hit for me. So uh, look for that next
3: week. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.